It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Everybody, we are back for another Windy City Storm Hockey Round Table. I have to my left in the left corner. You've seen him on all of these so far, Rob Rassi. Rass, what's up? What's going on, Tof? I feel honored to be a recurring guest. <laughs> you are, you are. And then uh, the other one, we got rid of the dead weight last time. It was just the two of us. But Ryan Ward is back for his second installment here. Wardo, what's up? Hey, happy to be back. Didn't know if I'd be invited back, but definitely uh, glad to be here. Tof, thanks for having me. You bet. And uh, first of all, before we get into it, like this has been this has been a lot of fun for us. But like we've gotten so much feedback from a ton of different people, whether it's at the rink here in Chicago or whether it's just through social media or just be, even in rinks. Like we've been playing in Minnesota and Pittsburgh, and people kind of taking us aside. So we appreciate the feedback from everybody. And uh, if you can, just keep. Whether it's emails, whether it's DMs, um, seeing us at the rink, if there's stuff you want us to go over and talk about with these more hockey-centric uh, type uh, podcast episodes, like fill them in. Have you guys been getting some feedback and stuff too? Surprising, yeah. <laughs> Surprising? Yeah. What does that mean? Oh, people that I haven't <laughs> talked to in a long time. <laughs> Reaching out and saying, hey, listen, no, it's awesome. Feedback's been great. Yeah, how about you, Ordo? Yeah, no, people around the orbit are shooting me a text message saying, hey, the last one was great. I think you teased this one this morning, and I had a few messages there in my inbox. So, uh, yeah, it's been great. Just anything you uh, you listeners want us to talk about, let's get it going. Pretty popular guy, Wardo, huh? Uh, it depends on what circle you're in. <laughs> I think it should be noted, too, when, when we were getting ready for this, Wardo did the uh, the the Rocky or the uh, Sylvester Stallone 80s movie, Over the Top, sat forward, turned his hat around backwards, and got ready to go. <laughs> Don't hey, think listen, that that goes unnoticed, Wardo. Preparation is underrated these days. I was going to say, it's routine. You know, you got to get in the habit of getting ready to go. So it's a nice little lesson. Maybe we'll talk about that someday. Yeah. How, to, how to get a good pregame routine, pre-practice routine to, to get ready to go for, for what you're doing. So, um, But today, yeah. So like you said, we sent the bat signal out there on, uh, on social media this morning. We're recording this. To be honest, I don't even know what day it is anymore with three kids under four, four years old. But... Uh, it's Thursday. Okay, so it's Thursday. We're good. And uh, so sent the bat signal out there, and we had some great uh, responses coming in. But one of them that we were going to talk about, and this is one of the more underrated parts of the game, I, I think, and, and we'll get into it and talk about it, but wall play is such an important part of the game. And you look at the heat maps of where the puck is throughout a game, and, I mean, depending on what study you're looking at, get up to 75 to 80% of the game is played right along the walls. And so having the ability as a player to get pucks off walls, know how to kill plays against the walls, and we'll get into all of that, really important. And then on the flip side of that, for the coaches that are listening to this too, how can we design some drills and how can we put our kids in situation to practice where they're learning the skills to be able to uh, accomplish what we're trying to teach them in the games as well. So, you know, Ras, I'll start with you here. Um, just in, in some of your studies in the game from the people that you've talked to, I guess just big picture question, how important is wall play? 
like you said, I, I think it's very underrated uh, as to how important it actually is. Um, the the eye-opening thing for me, and I think a lot of us, if anyone's seen that heat map of where the puck actually goes during the during a hockey game, uh, like you said, 75 to 80% uh, happens along the walls, both offensively and defensively, such an important part of the game. And something that um, I feel like goes unpracticed, and I think it's something that with practice, people can improve on. Yeah, for sure. And Wardle, you know, you worked at the NHL level um, and got access to, you know, some pretty cool people in the organizations that you were able to work for. Um, how much wall play did you guys talk about? How much did you guys implement it in practices? Like how big of a part was wall play for what you guys were doing? Yeah, I think it's it's probably the biggest part. I mean, you look at the just common sense of the game, TOF, where, you know, other sports are, are on a field that, that has – you know, maybe boundaries, but the the play stops when the when the play goes out of those bounds. Like we're in a we're in an enclosed surface, right? So um, for us, yeah, at the higher levels, I think we we talked about wall play a ton. I think there's there's strategy, there's there's a part of identity um, of your team of winning walls. I think that's what every coach talks about. I think I think uh, the majority of your strategy probably stems from winning winning those wall areas and if you do a good job you're gonna have some success yeah for sure so um i wanted to start with just kind of different areas on the ice where you, know, you talk about those wall battles where you see a lot of the where the puck is going on the heat maps and i think the one that coaches like to talk about a lot is rims and wall battles kind of getting the puck outside the zone i think if you talk to most coaches they would say it's an integral part especially with how the game is played nowadays where defenses pretty much always pinching or gapping up on your wingers. You really have to have an, not only like the skills, but almost like an identity along the walls uh, of how you're going to play. So um, we're all go back to you kind of here first. Um, I, it's funny. Like I feel like when we were growing up, the conventional wisdom, when it was, if you're a winger taking a puck off a rim or off the wall, you, you wanted to get like the heels of your skates against the wall, you know, and you'd even have the, the, the one skate up and you'd have the other skate back along the wall and it would hit the skate and go to your stick. <laughs> I think that might be a little outdated now, but um, just w what is your advice to, to players and coaches out there in terms of, uh, especially for the wingers being able to pick up rims off the wall in the, in the breakout defensive zone yeah I think the number one thing for me is winning the race right so so when you know a puck is in a position uh, a, a puck along the wall is generally a 50-50 battle right you're going to have someone coming to either underneath or on top of you and I think winning the race and getting body position is number one um, and I think really like it's you talk about the identity tof like I think I think the identity to realize like okay like this is the hard area like I call them the hot areas on the wall like whether it's power play um, when a puck gets rimmed around or um, in the defensive zone or offensive zone like if you win those hot areas and win the races um, you're gonna have success but I think more than just winning the race and having the grit and identity to know that okay this puck has to be mine I either have to get it out or make a play like I think you can stack the deck in your favor to make plays off the wall um, that really help you in the other facets of your game from transitioning from defense to offense or offense to defense. Um, so I think putting an emphasis on number one, winning the race, and number two, like doing the little identity things like shoulder checking and reading pressure, um, understanding where the pressure's coming from. I think that stuff is probably um, the most important thing of just identifying first going into it and then understanding what your options are coming out of it. 
So funny you mentioned shoulder checking. So I played my first beer league men's league game last night, and I can't even tell you how long. And I legitimately felt like I had horse blinders on. I could not see anything on the ice, and I just kept like reminding myself to like shoulder check and stuff, which is something we talk to the players about all the time. It's just really funny how easy, how much easier the game gets when you're always scanning. And, and even from like a you know old guy, freaking haven't played in a while, it just was something that just kind of clicked in with me yesterday. I don't know. You guys feel the same we way? We can pull it up on Live Barn and break down your shit. Oh, God, <laughs> please don't. Hey, you know what? What was, was the final score of that game? We won 4-3. Okay. 1-4-3. I got on the score sheet. Uh, Two-minute penalty. Uh, wow. Yeah, with about three minutes left in the game, we were up 4-2. Took a penalty. Wow. Had a terrible gap back on D. <laughs> had, to, had to use some stick work to slow the guy down, and they ended up scoring on the power play uh, to make it 4-3, but we ended up Who pulling it net? out. Red played net. Wow, Redmond Brow. Redmond Shout Brow out to Redmond net. for showing up. Yeah, there we go. Excellent. But uh, just funny that you say that. So I, I want to go back to to winning the race because I think with the way, like we talked about, the way the game is played, you know, the D are really aggressive, whether it's on a dump puck or even when there's a cycle going on in the corner or the puck's died in the corner and there's like a rugby scrum battle uh, in the corner, the D are always up on that winger. Um, when the D are playing that aggressively, where do you guys like having your strong side winger stand would you rather have that guy a little bit higher towards the blue line would you rather have that guy a little bit lower so that defenseman has to skate a little bit farther back down into you know into almost the corner what's uh, what's your thought on that I think one of the biggest things I've learned in the last three years as a coach is is uh, probably the most important thing when teaching hockey is spatial awareness and I think I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but for me personally, when we talk to our players, our wingers, about breaking pucks out and winning battles in the defensive zone along the wall, uh, we talk a ton about pushing on possession, okay? So pushing on possession means it's two-folding. It's two-folded. You're trying to expand the zone to open up space underneath to, to make sure we're using the whole depth and width of the ice, um, but you're also trying to make it uncomfortable for those D who want to sit down on the walls to say, okay, well, I can't come all the way down to the hash marks um, because this guy's pushing out on possession. So um, I, for me, I think you have to read the space. You have to read the the quality of the puck that the defenseman has. Um, I think that if the defenseman has full possession, he's looking you in the eye, you get out of the defensive zone. Like you're pushing on possession, you're you're making sure that you're making it a high confrontation for the defenseman sitting down. Um, but really, it's, it's the spatial awareness of reading like, okay, my defenseman is under duress. I might have to get a little bit lower to support him. Um, okay, we have full possession. We're in a good spot here. Like I'm going to push out and open up underneath for my weak side defenseman, for my centerman, uh, maybe the slash support guy um, so I think a lot of it is teaching these kids spatial awareness and the reads of of the play and not just what your read is and where your little quadrant is it's okay what's the quality of the puck for the guys behind me does that make sense Rath I think so yeah I think it was well said I, I think it's something that you could do either way as long as it's consistent for sure you know what I mean like when I was uh, one of, like my college coach we always had to play high and we had to initiate the contact with the D. We knew it was coming. We prepared for it. That was what our D knew. That was what everyone on the ice knew. That's what was going on. Um, and we played high and stretched a little bit. And, and uh, we've done it both ways. And I think it's just got to be consistent and communicated. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, when it comes to getting outside the zone, let's, let's keep going on this because it's what we've been talking about here for a little bit. Um, I've found that in youth hockey and even at the higher levels of hockey even, like – People are sending two guys hard on the forecheck a lot 
on the D. And so a lot of times what you're going to have to do is a quick strong side rim or a DD or DD bump and then a rim to, to the wingers just to beat those two four checkers. It's hard to make a tape to tape pass when you got no time and space to make one. Um, and, and that's if we're using the wingers, obviously you can slip it into the center, which is something that we work on all the time. Um, but how would you guys as, as coaches talk to the wingers about how to take a rim? Is it something where, you know, they should be taking an angle where they're getting the rim, where they're coming up the ice uh, is it something where you want them to get to a spot and stop, use their skates or use their stick while they're facing the boards and see what happens? I mean, I've, we've probably been taught this in a million different ways and, and things like that. So what, what would your advice be to coaches on how to teach how to take a rim coming out of your zone for a winger? I think what Wardo said earlier in terms of spatial recognition kind of ties into awareness of the situation, right? So if I'm a winger, I'm going back into the zone. Say I'm the weak side winger, puck goes into the opposite corner. Uh, my D's under duress. I see him getting it. Uh, he starts to starts to come my side, and he's got to put a puck around the wall. Before that's going, as that's going on, I'm looking around the ice and seeing what's going on. I'm seeing if I got that D who's who's got a good gap already in the zone, and then playing aggressively I'm gonna know that I'm gonna have to go into that I can't take a big loop under the puck and just turn and try to time the puck up the ice yeah uh because he's gonna gap down on me and probably put a body on me uh break up the play whereas uh if I have some time I might be able to do that I might be able to hey get my get my feet around me get my toes going up the ice and time it a little bit better that way um but more so I, I think for me um, I, I like to say a little bit uh, higher percentage plays in those situations. Those plays are so important. Uh, trying to time the puck like that for me is go in and make a strong play. Um, I, I think it's I think it's going to be different for every guy. What kind of what they feel comfortable with, uh, whether you're on your offside, whether you're on your strong side, and stuff like that. But uh, for for me, whatever it is, like I I've seen some guys that are really good using their feet, uh, and then that's the way they like to, to pull pucks off the wall. But for me. It's, uh, it's something, whatever it is, it's got to be hard first, hard plays um, that, uh, that kind of give you options off of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think for, and that was well said, Ras, like, like I think there's, number one, the identity of, of winning that puck is the hard play first, right? Like when you go in there with that mentality of, okay, number one, win the puck. Right, and I think when you break down like how you win the puck, like we did a great drill with Adam Nightingale um, at the Select 15 Festival, um, that was all about this wall play, and it was kind of pushing on possession, um, understanding spatial awareness. Where, you know, a lot of people think if you're getting a clean breakout pass, you don't necessarily want to be on the wall, right? Because if you're on the wall, there's only one way to go. You've got to use the middle of the ice, right? But well, the middle of the ice, like if you turn the puck over in the middle of the ice, it's a hell of a lot more dangerous, right? So. Um, we, we always talk to our forwards here at the Storm, um, Tri-City here in Windy City, um, about kind of ass-to-hands, we call it, um, where, where you're dictating the pressure um, of the pinching defenseman or the forward underneath you, whatever it is, but you're trying to go basically you know, ass-to-hands to try to make sure that you are feeling the pressure and then whatever way you can go, whether it's inside where you're protecting the puck and bumping it to the center or the slash guy, um, you know, or you're off the wall and now you've you've created that situation where the defenseman's coming off your inside hip and now you have the wall that you can protect it, turn and make a hard play um, out to the slash support guy. Um, I think the I think honestly like wall play gets misconstrued with just kind of like that caveman barbaric like old school hockey. Yeah. But making a good wall play and a skilled wall play is un an underrated skill right now that 
I mean, when you see a kid at a young age or even, you know, as you go up to midget or U16 or whatever, when kids can make good indirect wall plays and indirect space plays, we call them, I mean, that's supremely underrated to me. For sure. And I want to get back to that a little bit later, but I just want to comment that, like, all the stuff that, that we've been talking about, and specifically you, Wardo, it all kind of goes hand in hand, right? Like, first of all, the identity, but you have to win the race to get there. 100%. And then once you get there, you got to use your body, ass to hands uh, against that defenseman that's coming out to win the body position battle. Right. You know, now you got it. And while that's going on, you got to be shoulder checking, right? Or ass, like, shoulder checking to see where your support's going to be because you're going to have. Point four seconds to make a play because the guy's right on you already. So is your center underneath for support? Is your slash guy coming if the puck's a little bit more to the middle like you were talking about and you can do it off the wall? Do you have to bump it back to the D? I mean, I don't think anybody really loves bumping back to the D because we want to go north and play fast, but sometimes that's the options that's there. So Two Greyhounds loved that play. Did Bump they? back yeah. to the D. Oh, yeah. Change sides, go out. No, and Toph, like, honestly, like I think one of the most – I think one of the one of the things that you just talked about from an identity standpoint, like all of those things are controllable to to you as a forward without the puck, right? So we talk about controlling the controllables and like it's a willingness to win the race, it's a willingness to get body position, and it's the it's the willingness to be smart enough and, and understand and survey the ice to shoulder check to put yourself in a position. I mean, how long do you think that play lasts that you're actually making on the wall? Tenth of a second? Yeah. You know what I mean? So getting yourself in the position is just a willingness to do it, right? And I think that's really important when talking about team identity. Yeah. I, I think taking that one step further, Wardo, like if, if you're a coach, right, and you understand and have an awareness of this, how important these plays are, the more as a player you do that, better you're going to get at 100%. Right? So it, it's something that you can weave into drills. Maybe say, hey, like instead of just having, if you're doing a breakout drill, just having the wingers go down, post up, get a puck and skate out the zone. Hey, maybe we're going to put this one around the wall. Maybe we're going to send some pressure down the wall to have that guy have to make that play a little faster than he normally would. The more that players do that, the better they're going to get at it, just like anything else. Yeah, we listen to... Davis Payne was down in Florida. I don't know if you ever crossed paths with him, but he was in St. Louis at the time that I heard him talk down in Florida. And they started every skill drill with a rim in the offensive zone with their forwards. It was a rim down, like it was a rim coming down from the D. They had to pick it up off the wall, and then it was either a cutback or a pass or shot, whatever it was that they were doing through their progressions. But, yeah, it's such a skill that can be worked on all the time. Yeah, I think for young coaches, one of the most, you know, I'm a terrible passer by nature, but um, one of the most underrated things you can do is put players in different situations during your drills to, to mimic game-like situations, right? So if you're a coach and you're passing or you're a coach and you're, you know, doing a, a breakout drill that turns into a full-length shooting drill, like give them different looks when they're breaking the puck out. Right, maybe put a puck on the wall. One drill, maybe put it off the post. Maybe put it behind the net, so they have to identify. I think that's from a coach's perspective. The more interesting you can make every single rep and make it game like, I think it's really important to teach these kids like hockey sense and reading game situations. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move from the four to the D here now. I uh, want to ask you guys, uh, you know, wall play in terms of retrievals for D is imperative. The amount of times you have to, you know, bump it off the wall, net, wall, whatever it is, whether you're taking, uh, you know, a, a puck that gets rimmed and the goalie stops it, it's usually, <laughs> the goalie doesn't yeah. usually yeah. put Thanks it out for, for you. It's usually for against the wall. <laughs> um, 
but or even taking rims, you know, coming inside the zone off the wall, especially if it's like a hard rim from the other side and you're that defenseman on the weak side that's got to go get that freaking grenade. Yeah. <laughs> Usually you're just punting it back to the other side. But um, how do you guys think about teaching um, the D? Ras, I'll go to you first. Like, how do you think about teaching the D about using the walls on retrievals? I think it's a same thing as we talked about with the forwards pulling pucks off the wall. It's a skill, right? And it for me, the biggest thing that goes into it is we talked about the same thing as awareness. Uh, and how do you build awareness is through preparation, right? So the more situations that you can put defensemen in in practice that are going to mimic, like Wardo talked about, taking away the time and space, having to do something um, and, and getting reps at doing it faster than you normally would, I think is huge. Um, I think for me in going back, like in, in teams that I've coached and team and players that I've coached, um, I, I think putting to just going back to a puck and putting the puck around the wall is kind of a last resort. Um, I, I think you talk about winning the foot race, Waro, same thing, D, you got to go back hard for that puck. You got to, you got to win the race. You got to get possession. You got to, um, to make a strong play there. For me, I, I think if you got a guy in your back and there's no other option, you got to put it around the wall, do it. Um, for But I, I know like with Ant, right? Ant's always, always talking about D, don't rim the puck unless you have to. Oh, yeah. Get around that puck whether it's a slip, whether whatever it might be. Like some of the, some, some of the best players that I've coached that, um, on D, I, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times they've actually just taken a slap shot around the wall to rim the yeah. puck. There's always a play to space. There's always um, an awareness of the overall situation that can help alleviate pressure. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily from the rim standpoint, though. Like, you know, you talk about reverses or you talk about D-to-D passes and things like that. Um I just feel like watching the game as much as I have, those little maybe five-foot reverses or five-foot D-to-Ds, bringing a guy to you and then off the wall behind the net. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like that is a skill. And, and just in watching the amount of pucks that get turned over because D can't find the right angle, right, to, to make sure. a, a bump pass to your defenseman or even, you know, off the wall to the winger if the winger's pushing out a little bit higher. I just see so many turnovers just from not being able to make the right angle on the pass. I agree. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the best youth players I've seen in recent memory, um, shameless plug to Andrew Strathman here, but I, I think I think a lot of it goes back to, like, pressure and spatial awareness for the D. Like, I think when, like, if you look at a puck that's dumped outside the dots, right, you're probably going to use the net. You know what I mean? So then it's like, I think everything that we start with in our organization and, and TOEF and like you guys have seen it, like is just the foundational, like, okay, this is what a bump is, right? This is a net bump. This is a wall bump, which reverse, whatever you want to call it. Um, but then when you start adding pressure, like there's some times where you just lift a four checker stick and leave the puck where it is. You know what I mean? And I think to go, to go into that, like those small five foot plays, I think a lot of things have to happen. TOEF. I think first of all, there has to be communication. Right, your goalie, your forwards, your D partner has to let you know where it's coming because it's happening fast. Um, I think one of the most underrated things that I learned um, a lot from Mike Babcock is how much the forwards can help the D break pucks out just by doing what we call cutoffs or moving interference, like knowing where the forechecker is and working to get above him and just skating in front of him and giving that D the extra second to get the puck to in a spot where he can put it 
for his partner or the low forward or whatever it is. Um, so I think a good breakout or a good bump starts well before the D even touches the puck. And I think a lot of it comes from like being a good teammate as a forward, as a goalie, as a D partner, but then also putting yourself in position to feel the pressure, which is a skill, uh, shoulder check, read the pressure, and then understanding like, hey, my pressure's coming from my inside shoulder, my outside shoulder, that's a wall bump, that's a net bump. Um, and using those five-foot plays, like, you know, it's geometry, right? Yeah, I wasn't good at geometry in yeah, school. Well, neither are most of our defensemen, <laughs> but they're getting it. <laughs> uh, no, it is, it is so true. I mean, in my video sessions that I do with my D, like, I very rarely show a negative clip, like, where I'm giving it to the guy with the puck like every clip that's a teaching clip is always about the other guy and it's like it's clear you weren't talking here there's a very very simple as i'm watching this play to be made and you either didn't shoulder check as a second guy or the or even the winger you know like the strong side winger it could be an easy little play up to up to them um i don't know what you guys think but i i very rarely coach the guy with the puck on the retrieval because i don't really think it's his I mean, sometimes it is. I don't want to be binary here and say yes or no, but like a lot of times it's the responsibility of the support guys on the breakout, not necessarily the guy with the puck. Completely agree. If you want the puck on your stick, we talk about a lot, right? You have to work away from the puck if you want it. Yeah. You can't just wait to get the puck on your stick and then you magically you just start the work. You have to, if you want the puck, everybody on the ice, there's nine guys that want it, right? Yeah. You got to work to get it. Yeah. I think it's really important, too, for especially for young defensemen and, and parents and coaches. You know, we talk about, like, a rim should be the last resort because you're putting everyone, like, you're when you're breaking out of the defensive zone, generally speaking, you're trying to break out five on three, right? You're trying to break out uh, and make the zone as small as possible so you can make a couple plays and, and exit the zone. Um, but for young defensemen out there, guys, like, there's no problem with taking the hit and protecting the puck and waiting for support either. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's, you watch defensemen at the highest levels, uh, junior, NHL, whatever it may be, college hockey. Um, like, guys aren't afraid to take take a hit, protect the puck, and wait for support. Maybe it's a little five-foot slip. Maybe your second quick guy comes in and grabs the puck, and you've taken taken the hit and protected it for him. Um, but throwing the puck away, like, that's kind of goes back to spatial awareness and understanding, like, okay, I'm not going to make a hard play here, but I'm not going to let him get the puck or turn the puck over with, like, a random rim and turn my problems into my buddy's problems. Um, so I think it's important too for young defensemen. Like if you don't have anything, hold on to it, protect it, wait for support, get your communication going and understand your options. Yeah, it's almost like, Hey, I, I have a problem here. I, I I'm under pressure. You do something with right. it. <laughs> I got my guy. I don't, I don't want it. You take it. Robbie, you know, Robbie Merton's the king of, I got my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Robbie who was going to be on here, but uh, he'll be on. Yeah, stage fright. <laughs> a little nervous. Um, so I I want to expand on that because one guy who did that so unbelievably well that we both coached against is Shane Goss's bear. When he was at Union, he was un like I've never seen anybody like it. And we played against them in the ECAC semis, which was at Lake Placid. Was so it's Olympic ice, so he had even more room to suck you in, you know. But you know what he was really, really good at, too, because especially the really skilled defensemen, the Adam Foxes of the world, the Shane Gosses Bears of the world, what's the other team going to tell their team to do against that guy? Run him through the wall, right? Like, make it, take away his time and space. That is exactly what they want. And those guys are so good of being, like, just playing kind of cat and mouse. Like, come on, 
Come on, come on. And especially what Gossesphere was really good at just in watching the tape on him is he would use the wall a lot because he knew guys were coming to smoke him and put him through the wall. So he would wait, 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 wait. And just at that last second, he would know when to cut back or he would know when to spin off. And that guy would be, you know, hit the wall. And then he was 10 feet away within half a second getting up the ice as the fourth wave. And I think that's such an important thing for young defensemen in the way that the game is played nowadays is using the wall to your advantage and spinning off guys so we can beat the forward up the ice and, and cause odd man rushes. I don't know if you remember Gossespierre with that, but he was unbelievable. He was one of the what, probably in the, in the six years that I was there, the toughest player to forecheck. Um, you, you just, Aside from Adam Fox. <laughs> Shout out to Foxy, um, but yeah, he and another thing he was good at too. Tolf was just getting his feet moving for what we call it first touch move. Like yeah, he, he got around the puck if he got a first step on you. See you later. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> Forget about it, was, it. Yeah. So, well, I think yeah. No, it's hard. It's hard to teach that de- deception um, for young defensemen, like where your toes are, where your hips are, where your stick is. Um, when you're going back for a puck, like I think the shoulder check and the deception right off the bat, um, anything you can do to kind of stack the deck on that retrieval, um, like it's hard to teach. And the guys that do it well, like you see a huge difference. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because the other kind of debate that I've had with a bunch of different coaches is, you know, we had talked about earlier racing back to get the puck, right? Like get there, the, the faster you get back, the more you're going to have time and space. But then there's this other aspect of retrievals and this other way of thinking about it where, okay, no, 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 let's invite the four checker. Let's maybe go a little bit slower. Let's get that guy to be as close as he can to us. And then we spin off and make a play and then we go. Have you guys ever had those kinds of debates in your coaches' rooms and stuff? I think that's going to come down to the individual player. 100%. For me, like I, you, you mentioned Adam Fox. I mean, I mean, you just kind of – he was uh, playing the game at his own pace, and everybody else, <laughs> when he was on the ice, had to play the game at his pace too. So whatever he wanted to do, he kind of did. But he was a very special player and a special talent, and um, I, I think it comes down to the players. I, I think it's – you got to know kind of what your strengths are as a player, as a coach. You got to know what uh, – what each guy is comfortable with and what they can excel at and succeed with. So um, I think it comes down to personnel. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Ras. Like, I mean, not to go back to him because if he listens to this, he's going to have the biggest head on earth. But, like, Andrew Strathman last year would invite pressure and know exactly, you know, know exactly where the guy, the forecheck's coming from, and he'd want you to go there. You know, so I think the, the more confident-minded defensemen will invite you know, they know exactly. They're three steps ahead. Okay, this is where I'm putting the puck. This is where it's going to go. Um, you know, but then there's just – sometimes there's just pure winning races and grit where you're like, okay, saddle up. Here we go. Like, we're going back for a puck. And I think working together as, as a tandem with your partner, um, you know, obviously numbers at the puck, like you're going to have to communicate and do all the small things that we just talked about um, that that really doesn't really matter about the individual or where it's just like a mono mono like let's get this puck out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, last uh, last place on the ice I want to talk about here 
is in the offensive zone for forwards. I think being able to get pucks off the wall, off whether it's a shot retrieval, whether it's off a rim, I, I really feel like that's a huge skill that you're seeing a lot of skill guys work on now at the higher levels, being able to pick pucks off the wall, get your feet moving, get your head up to make a play. Um, is that something, Ras, we'll start with you here, is that something that you guys worked on with your guys at Harvard? Is that something that you guys valued? 100%. Uh, for sure it is. I, I think how many times, I mean, you guys watch a lot of hockey. How many times in a hockey game do you guys see at the National Hockey League level the net front forward, D's under pressure at the offensive blue line, puts the puck around the wall, that guy's <laughs> got to go win that race, guy on his back, and he's got to pull the puck off the wall. Yep. Probably happens 25 times a game, right? I mean, in, at least. Um, so I, I think for, for us it was something that we valued and, and that we practiced all the time. Um, and I, I think as a player, there, there's the first step of it. Obviously, you want to corral it, right? You want to get strong over, strong over puck, um, make yourself tough to defend and tough to play against, and then, too, you want to get your feet moving so you can get off the wall, right? Because if, if, you, if you just catch the puck, you stand on the wall, you're easy to defend, right? There's only one way you can really go, whereas you get, you get yourself off the wall, work for that ice, you make yourself harder to defend. Yeah, 100%. Like, <laughs> that was one of the things Shafe was, like, so adamant on was, like, because we played a lot underneath the goal line, as you know. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that was that was something oh, that yeah. we liked to do. But to get in our doghouse as a coaching staff, it's get the puck and not move. And just be easy to play against, like you're saying, by getting pinned up against the wall because most defenses nowadays in the D zone, all right, let's try and kill the play as quickly as we can. Let's outnumber, let's get the puck, and let's go on offense as quickly as we can. Well, if you stand there, it's very easy. So once you get it, that first three steps, but also like there's other ways too, I think that you can kind of help yourself out to try and get a little bit more of that time and space. I think one thing that a lot of people are talking about is the pre-bump or the pre-contact. So as you're going into the corner with that defenseman, if you have a step on him, it's still putting your shoulder into him a little bit, gives you a little bit extra time and space as it goes. And then the other one is just the deception with your hips and with your skates. You know, I'm, I want to go to the right, so I'm going to pretend like I'm going left and it's a lot easier to show than it is on a podcast. But like, you know, angling your skates with your edges where I'm going boom and then going the other way so I think those are other are other skills um along with moving your feet that can really help you know the 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 forwards get what is ultimately gold and that's getting time and space yeah I mean you look at Sid the kid's probably the best at oh dude how he moves his feet and the little stutter steps I mean we in Sault Ste. Marie we were teaching well I did the best I could to teach the Crosby stutter. I don't think you do it quite <laughs> like, yeah. I think our forwards looked at me like this Do you guy. demonstrate it? Yeah, sometimes, you know. <laughs> no, but I think, uh, you know, we, we always, one thing that we talk about, Tof, is like skating the puck out of the mud, uh, which is behind the net. And, you know, that's where, where you know, any team's defense wants to, to get you stuck. And um, we always just call it skate on first touch obviously like first touch like get out of the mud everyone practices their uh, f3 shooter slot shots after practice but there's a if you're getting that shot there's generally a guy who's winning a, a wall battle down low and skating out of it and uh you know for me like that reverse hit mentality of like okay again spatial awareness like this d's trying to close on me i'm gonna bring him to me bring him to me boom reverse hit put my shoulder in his chin and then get out of here and and set up our offense like i think those small details again it goes back to you know, the same way an offensive zone 
uh, cycle works is this is a defensive zone retrieval, right? Your shoulder check and you're you're seeing what time and space you have, um, and you're trying to put your your teammates in a position to have success by getting getting pucks out of there and forcing switches and things like that. So um, all the little details that go into a retrieval go into an offensive zone cycle. Yeah, there, there's no hard rule that says if you have the puck or if you're the first guy to the puck that you have to take the hit. Right. Right. <laughs> there, there's no. Uh, not written anywhere right yeah. so you can initiate that contact and create that space usually catch a guy off guard too oh for sure oh a good reverse hit there's nothing better. <laughs> oh nothing better than a good reverse hit you're seeing it more and more too like the more you watch the nhl and stuff like that is something 100 percent being taught oh, by yeah. coaches now for sure and uh yeah it's it's very valuable for sure when you're coming through um okay last thing i want to talk about and, and mordo you talked about it a little bit earlier but i kind of wanted to mention just like the art of the indirect. Um, obviously, we want to make tape-to-tape passes. Tape-to-tape passes is always great, but that's not always the right play uh, or the play available. And I have to shout out my man, Benny Sire, here because nobody liked a freaking indirect pass more than Benny Sire. And Benny. Uh, we did a lot of those in practices when when we worked together. And so, you know, for you, Wardo, I'll, I'll ask you first here. How... How important of a skill is being able to indirect a puck, getting it off the wall to uh, a teammate at the higher levels yeah, or at I mean, any level? The, yeah, at any – like the coaching, the, the players, everything's getting better every year, and I think we we always just talk about it as space plays. Like if you – when you really break down a game, there's not many players in the world that can skate faster with the puck than without it, right? So if you can – if you're teaching puck support and, and you're able to – put a puck under pressure into a space where your teammate's skating onto it, you have a s- severe advantage because you know exactly where that's supposed to go. You're putting it into a space. Your teammate knows I'm skating full speed onto this. Everyone's under pressure. Uh, making a good indirect or a space play, I mean, to me, like, forget about, like, I, I have a hard, like, no dumping the puck in rule. Um, it's just kind of something that I learned from Sheldon and, and those guys. Like, obviously, there's a time and place for everything, but – when you can maintain control of the puck and making a good space play is honestly like stacking the deck so far in your favor. Um, it's one of the most important things. And, and to, to the tune, like we work on that every single day, every practice, we do one drill at least that is spatial recognition with space plays. And I think it's the most important thing because you can break down any single structure with a good space play. That's just my thought. I agree. And if you look at where the game's going, right, especially with how uh, the emphasis teams are placing on D mobility, right? Everyone wants their D to gap up, take away that time and space. So those direct passes a lot of the time aren't going to be clean, right? It's just the way the game is going. So the more that you can get comfortable and practice those situations of putting pucks to space, using the walls, being able to do that stuff just makes you a better player. Make it dirty. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a, it's an interesting point of discussion though because, you know, especially as youth coaches, you want to teach to make plays. You know, make plays, make tape to tape passes, puck support. I what I struggle with sometimes is like sometimes the right play is maybe not to make a play like that. Like you have to flip it out or you have to, you know, live to fight another day by putting it somewhere where somebody can go skate into it and things like that. How do you guys go about, or what's some kind of advice that you would give to maybe some of these youth coaches when let's say 
the other team's D are always up on your winger and they're so aggressive. They're always up on the center and your D has like no options, you know, uh, to, to, to make like a, a, a nice skilled play. What, what, how do you guys navigate that? Yeah, I mean, for me, I celebrate it. Like, I just celebrate those moments where y- the right play is is to to put it into a space. Or I, I know Mike Sullivan calls it punt and hunt. Like, the Pittsburgh Penguins are the best at it where, you know, the D, if they have nothing, they put it into the neutral zone. The first guy goes through the D. The second guy picks up the puck. But I think when you have a plan for what you're doing in that situation, like, to me, that's not, like, a bad that, – that's not a non-play. Like sure. that's your plan. Like your your plan. Hey, it, it's we talk about it all the time. Like if the D is in your face, where's the space? It's behind him, right? Put it off his heels, and you know your middle driver's coming through and entering the zone, and now you have a two on one, or you're extending possession. Like I, I think I think it's how you manage it and how you message it to your players. Like hey, listen, like we don't want to just throw pucks blindly out of the zone and have to gap up and defend again. But no, like we have support going there. We have support going there because we have a plan. Like we know if we're getting pressure and there's no space, there's space behind. Um, and I think just how you message that and teach it and show it on video um, is super important. And the kids, like when you celebrate it, like they buy into it like anything else and, and they understand like, no, this is a play I'm making. It's not a dump out. It's not a dump in. Um, it's a play to my teammate who's skating onto pucks. Yeah, and I think you called it, Toph. Like, you want you want your guys to make plays? Those are plays. 100%. Yeah. Those are plays. If you want to make plays, those are the plays yes. that make difference in games. Those are the opinion. small plays that win you games, right? Like, we go – when we're when we're up to nothing uh, in a game and, and we're down at the last five minutes, I always say we go into victory formation, right, which is a – uh, ode to the old Rudy movie, like victory formation, then they throw a halfback pass, which is <laughs> usually what happens with us. No, but victory formation to me is like making those space plays where the other team has to come 200 feet to beat us. Um, and, and we go into that stuff, and, and to me, like those are the best plays at that moment, right? So it's all about, again, spatial awareness, recognition of what's going on around me, and I think those are like to be celebrated the most when you have the balls and the mindset to make those hard plays. Yeah. And the right plays, and we were talking about this earlier, like those are skilled plays too. 100%. If you can make an indirect pass into an area, into a good spot, like that is that is not easy. And if you, for all the youth coaches out there that are kind of thinking like, ah, you know, yeah, indirects, like just like not skilled, blah, blah, blah. Like do it with your players. Have them get the puck off a rim or have them get a puck if you're a winger on on the wall and they got to hit a guy in stride off the, like off the boards that's coming through as a slash support <laughs> two out of 10. Yeah, I mean, honestly, three out of 10. <laughs> really, you know? really like think about it. Like we do a, and for all the youth coaches, we have probably five or six really, really good drills that we can share with you uh, on ice hockey systems. But, um, you know, we have, uh, we have these, the Syracuse double chip drill that we do, um, where, you know, the D are stepping up on, there's three forwards, the D step up. And I bet you, the success rate of that drill at the initial part is probably 20%. I mean, we're talking about two out of 10, right? That are right on a guy's tape. And then as you progress throughout the year in January, all of a sudden you start hitting that stuff and you're getting two on ones, three on ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard to make those plays. Yeah. And, and the one thing that 
Vex used to talk about this all the time because he was uh, he was a winger that needed to get pucks out <laughs> type of guy as he was going up through his his career, especially at at the pro level. And the one thing that he always talks about, and and we talk about a lot too, is getting it off the wall so you have a better angle to be able to make a chip play. Sure. You know, if you take one or two steps, if you have some time, or even if it's just one step, if the D's on you towards the middle, now we have a much better angle to be able to indirect it into an area to a guy skating through it more towards the middle of the ice. And then you're not creating a problem for that guy where now he's got to take it off the wall because you didn't get it off the wall. And uh, just just a simple little thing that I think can make a huge difference when it comes to making those plays. That's the second geometry reference we've had on here. Hello. Hey, this listen. is going to go in the education section on the podcast? <laughs> no. It's fitting that we're at Total Package Hockey Chicago right now doing this podcast. Elite education. Very fitting. Talking geometry. Well, uh, well, this was fun here, guys. Uh, well, 42, 43 minutes in here, so uh, time flies when we're doing these. It's nice. Now I got some stuff I got to get done, but... But before we do get over to the end of this podcast, I don't know why I said that. I always just say that on the podcast. Before we get over to... Uh, we do have some people to thank, though. Uh, so first of all, I want to thank Gel Sticks. I'll let you... Uh, Wardo, gel sticks, you got it? Yeah, I mean, on gel sticks, it's a weighted oh. stick training aid. At, uh, anytime you want to work on your, your shot, your stick handling, gel sticks is the, the training aid for you. I know um, John Lounsbury will love this here. Uh, shout out to gel sticks for all your uh, hockey stick training needs. Yep, gel sticks, G-E-L-S-T-X dot com. Use the coupon code THINKTANK to get a discount on your weighted training sticks. Ras, do you know Train Heroic? Did you I do this the last time? I do, I do not know Train Heroic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why don't you make something up? And then we'll actually say what it is. Train Heroic. I mean, it, <laughs> everyone's always looking for a leg up, right? I mean, it's everyone's looking for the edge. At Train Heroic, we, we provide you that edge. Um, is, is that along the same line? <laughs> <laughs> That could have been an ad for uh, like a box that I'm sitting at right now. <laughs> Train Heroic is the uh, it's the app that Jeffrey Levechkio uses for his online training uh, apps or his online training programs. And so, if you go to Train Heroic, it's just an app on your phone that you can get, and uh, you can download all of Jeff's uh, all of Jeff's stuff. He's got uh, he's got workouts for people who just want to get in shape and be a little bit healthier. He's got workouts for people who are elite athletes that want to take their their conditioning and their strength to the next level. So uh, go to your phone, download uh, the Train Heroic app, and look for Ripped Hockey. Ripped, obviously Ripped is the name of Jeff's company. R-I-P-T, though, not R-I-P-P-E-D. Hey, I shout out to Vex, too. Like, the Storm, Tri-City Storm worked with Vex the past couple of years, and he's done a great job. So shout out to Train Heroic and Vex for sure on that. There we go. There we go. And then uh, thank you to IceHockeySystems.com, your top website for all of your coaching needs, thousands of drills on there, uh, whiteboard explanations. I use it to plan all of my practices. We use it as an organiza organization to share stuff uh, through each other, and that's one of the things that we love to promote is there's actually an associations tab uh, where associations can go in and buy it for every coach in their organization, and not only do they get access to being able to draw drills and share them to their players and, and their coaching staff throughout the platform, but you also get the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. So um, we, we put out a survival guide a couple years ago for, for all hockey 
hockey parents looking for a little bit more education on this whole crazy youth hockey racket. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop for everybody within an organization. So go to icehockeysystems.com slash associations for that. And then at the end of the day, we want to thank all of you listeners, uh, first and foremost. I mean, you guys are, are the lifeblood of this thing. We wouldn't be doing this if we didn't get the support from you guys and feeling like we're providing a, a positive contribution to the hockey world. And continue, please, 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 to, to give us some feedback, whether it's uh, a rating or review on, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, whether you just like to DM us uh, on, uh, on social media. But uh, we live for making the hockey world a better place and hopefully this one on wall play. Uh, crazy how you can talk for 40 minutes on wall play, huh? Amen. We, we, we went a little bit into some different things, but for the most part, we meandered. yeah, for the most part is pretty good, but awesome. Thanks again, guys. This was great. And, uh, we'll be back in another couple weeks. So, uh, if you do have a topic you want us to, to cover, shoot it out. Thanks, Tolf. Thanks, Tolf. Have a good week. Appreciate everybody. it.